Welcome to Coffee and Converse. I'm Diane and this is a show for lifestyle entrepreneurs, those people building a business to support their life instead of living to build a business. If this is you, stick around for strategies on doing business more efficiently with more ease and in a way that feels oh so good to you. Hey, today's guest, Alison Carpio, is an author, speaker, and copy coach who is all about creating eager prospects with your emails instead of needing to rely on high-pressure sales conversations. So long, sleaze. Hello, sales. I am down for that. Hey, Alison, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. So let's kick off with a quick intro to you and your business. Yeah, so I'm a former copywriter, and now I'm an email and copy coach. And when I was learning copywriting, I was... (laughs) <laughs> what I call I was really deep in the bro world. <laughs> so I was around these circles where were these all these bro marketers, a lot of like copy quote unquote legends. I've got some air quotes when I'm saying that. And there were a lot of these old school, sleazy, oppressive tactics that we were learning in copy school. And I remember I was in a mastermind with, you know, a lot of bros, some of them you may have heard of. And I was in this mastermind and there was this uh, this session about upsells. And an upsell is kind of like when you ask, you know, would you like fries with that shake kind of thing. So it was about upsells. And I remember the guy saying, make sure you're always upselling because you never know when you're going to see their money again. I felt this like visceral reaction, like this drop in my gut. And I was like hunched over and I was like, this feels really wrong. And I remember this was two, three years into being um, a copywriter, and I almost left the copywriting world because of that. And I was kind of at this crisis point, like, okay, I could either leave the copywriting world and do something else, or I could change the way that this is being taught elsewhere. And of course, I changed the way it's being taught elsewhere. I chose that path instead because I really believe that you can you can sell with more authenticity without having to use those that fake scarcity and urgency and you know a lot of that desperate bro boss babe marketing tech that's really sold out there so and i found that email is very powerful too so i love helping people with email and especially with creative entrepreneurs who are really active on social media the email is just so misunderstood so i love helping my clients with that that's so interesting that like you are upselling someone because the thing that you're going to sell them, you've either sold them something they don't need or you're going to do such a bad job at delivery that the person's never going to want to buy from you again. Like that is just such a scary place to really be starting from. It's crazy because it's like, I, I think what people think, what people don't understand is maybe that works in the short term. Maybe if, but you know, people are smart and they know like, okay, this feels wrong. I'm not going to buy from you. But let's say they take that upsell. They're still going to feel really crappy about it. They're going to feel that buyer's remorse. They're going to feel bullied or pressured into it and then they're not they're, they really won't buy from you again he's right like that's like the I guess it's sort of like a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point yeah he's proving his point by selling something really horrendous so I have this like hate hate relationship with email <laughs> and <laughs> I find it really easy to be conversational on social I generally have a lot of personality and a lot of opinions, but like all of my corporate baggage shows up when I open up my emailer to write a newsletter or a sales email. I get really formal and then it gets super awkward and there's a lot of heretofores and wherewithals and the like. And I'm probably not alone. I think a lot of people are having a bit of a hate-hate relationship with email at the moment because we're flooded with so much email. So we know we don't want another email, but then we're trying to get people to also open our email. So we're trying to stand out in the noise, but we don't want to be a 
bother. And there's this feeling that, well, you have to keep going because if you stop and then email them in a month's time, they might not open. And then how will you ever get anyone to open your email again? So how do we make sure that we're actually getting some ROI from those emails to at least compensate for the amount of energy, effort, mental space it's taking most of us to really write them? Yeah, so let's address the the energy piece. I, I love what you said when you said a lot of the corporate baggage shows up because that, that is very common. You're certainly not alone. I remember one of my best friends when she was writing her website for the first time years ago, I was like, this sounds nothing like you. Like you never say that. I love how you point out the henceforth and the here too because no one ever says that in conversation. So the way I like to think about email is like a one-on-one private dinner. It's very intimate. It's just you and that person. And it's just a it's just a dinner where social media is more like a party where you can meet other people. Everyone's joining the conversation. It's, you know, you can pop in, pop out. You can see who's there, et cetera. But email is that private, intimate conversation. So in a way, it's similar to social media in that it's still casual. It doesn't need to be formal. It doesn't need to be a certain way. And I think like we've been really conditioned because we've been getting a lot of really bad emails from retail giants, from e-com stores, bros and boss babes I always talk about. They're really, they really conditioned us to what we think email should look like, but it does not have to be that way. So I always say with my clients, if you have a lot of content on social media, it could really easily be repurposed into emails. And when you're repurposing, it's just really smart. It's kind of like you're taking leftovers from Friday. You're adding a br- an egg to it for brunch on Saturday. And then you've got brunch and it's delicious. And it's just, it's the same thing. So one thing that I love to do and I help my clients do too, is like if you find yourself, if you're able to write content very casually for social media, but you can't do it for email, what I love to do is just talk into an Otter app. And I, I imagine that I'm talking to someone and it transcribes it for me. And then I just edit that. And it, it, that's, those are my words. It sounds very conversational, et cetera, et cetera. The other thing too with email is there's this common misconception, probably with social media too, that you have to be emailing every single day. And that's absolutely not true. That's not true. And also one thing that you mentioned, Diane, is like, you have to keep emailing or else people aren't going to open it later. To an extent, that's true. But I like to, you know, when, you ha- when you're building relationships with people, if you take a month off from that, they're not going to forget about you. Like if you're emailing them and uh, you send something that they're interested in, they're going to open it and they're not going to be upset. They're not going to forget who you are. They're not going to be offended or anything. It's just, it's what it is. And, you know, you're human and people understand that. I think there's just a lot of fear instilled into us from a lot of the experts and gurus, quote unquote, to keep doing that. And I think like, yes, being more frequent could help, but it's, I think when you're showing up in a way, when you're writing from a place of, I have to do this, it really shows through in your copy. Whereas if you show up in, I want to do this, I want to help my people, I'm here for service, then that shows through in your copy as well. The thing that I think about when I think of email as a whole, it's not about sending more and sending more frequent. It's more about having what I call an email conversion system because emailing every day is only going to serve you only so long and it's not even realistic for most of us. But when you have that email conversion system, when I'm, and when I'm talking about email conversion system at a high level, it's building out your email list, really nurturing that new subscribers. And then, of course, having your sales pushes, your sales events, whether that's a webinar or a challenge, et cetera, 
that's what's really going to, that's really how you're going to get that ROI out of email. And email really highly supports that. And email is so powerful for your sales events and sales pushes. So I definitely want to talk more about the conversion system, but I want to go back to the analogy of like the email is me sitting down in an intimate dinner with someone. Now, if you've ever spent any time with me, I love a good story. So I can totally see flicking on Otter and being like, oh my God, you won't believe what happened and blah, 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 and, and telling that story. But what I find that copywriters are really good at that the average human, aka me just can't do without it being so awkward is that beautiful segue into that conversion thing into mm. I've told you the story now come to my webinar I've told you the story now download my PDA I've told you the story now buy my thing right so I think for me that's where that kind of breaks down and that I can see what you're saying like how I would show up in an intimate dinner with someone you're speaking my language when you say speak it out loud and it will come out conversational but then as soon as I have to like twist back into okay here's my CTA or here's the reason for my email I get super awkward and I think then here comes the heretofores and and the therefores and the, my 27 step process for the reason that you should do the CTA right so how do we naturally have that conversation in an email while still strategically hitting the point that we want to make? And I don't know if this is something that you can answer off the top of your head on a podcast. Yeah, I love this question. So there's a couple of ways I think about it. Um, the first way is like, I imagine that I actually am having that conversation with someone. And when you're having a conversation, it's not just you talking the whole time, right? So like, let's say you told a story. And then I imagine what that person would say and how I would respond to it. And I literally have that conversation in my head and guide them to the CTA. It's not like, oh, well, yeah, I ate this thing and it was really delicious. By the way, you should go to my webinar. You know, it, that's not how the conversation would go. So I play out that conversation in my head and that's, that so gets me to smoothen out that transition. But if you're not able to do that, and a lot of people aren't, one thing that I have that I teach in what I call my email recipes is like when you tell a story specifically, there's usually what's like a teaching moment or a takeaway from there. And that teaching moment and takeaway is usually directly related to your webinar, your PDF, whatever that is. And that is how you transition to it because you kind of bottom line what that teaching moment is from that story. And then you're like, oh, well, I either you're going deeper into it in a webinar or maybe it's like the story was about you have to learn how to reframe your mind when it comes to sales. And by the way, that's exactly what I'm teaching in my webinar kind of thing. So you can see how that like that really connects the dots between your lead or your story and the thing that the call to action or the next step. So what I'm hearing is that we need to be strategic with our emails rather than just going, oh my gosh, I need to send an email tomorrow because I haven't sent an email in a while. Panic, vomit out some words, send it out, wonder why nobody is like opening, clicking, etc. Right? <laughs> I mean, nah. that's fine once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's a really good thing, like yeah. something just happened and you want to talk about it. But I mean, as yeah. a general strategy, that's probably not ideal. Okay, I understand. So let's go back to the conversion system. So we had, first of all, let's get the lead, <laughs> then let's nurture the lead. And then I assume there is a, let's convert that lead. Yes. <laughs> okay. Do you need people to go through the lead generation piece? Is that only for people with small lists? Or do you like people to think about that as part of their conversion system, even if they've already got a fairly healthy list or can they skip steps? It kind of depends where you're at. The people that I work with usually already are building out their email list or they're pretty early on. And really what I help them do is kind of refine and tweak it because sometimes 
they put up something just to to put up something and it's not really directly related to their offer as much as it could be. Or maybe they changed their offer and then we need to do that little tweaking part. The one thing I'll say about this is like there's this common misconception that all you have to do is just post on social media and you're going to get a ton and a ton of subscribers. Don't rely on that. Don't rely just on posting on social media just to get opt-ins. Like definitely do it and I do it all the time. But, you know, when you show up on things like podcasts, like what I'm doing right now, you speak at summits, you do collaborations, that's going to be the biggest bang for your buck when it comes to building out your email list, especially if, you know, the audiences that you're talking to and the people you're collaborating with are really aligned with who you want to reach. So that's the one thing I'll say about that, because I think like, like a lot of my clients were like, oh, I'm just, I'm posting like four times a week about my lead magnet, but I'm only getting like a couple opt-ins. And it's like, yes, let's go for the bigger fish, you know, and let's not make sure that you're grinding all the time to only get a couple of subscribers. Yeah, that makes total sense. I think people are on social, they're often not looking to go and click a link and do something else, right? Great for awareness, not as great for the like opt-in for my thing. Okay, so let's say we've got a fairly healthy list. What are we doing in an, in the nurture piece of the system? When it comes to, okay, so l- let's say someone joins your email list for the first time. So when someone joins your email list for the first time, like building off of that dinner analogy, it's like they're, they're coming to dinner with you for the very first time. And when you're not nurturing... How many times do I need to email them about how many things? <laughs> like, get specific with me. <laughs> That's the question behind the question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's like, this is like, can we, let's do email 101. Okay, so the first thing, when you don't have what I call a be our guest welcome sequence, which we'll get into, it's kind of like someone sits down at the restaurant and you know they're hungry but no one's really checking up on them there aren't any menus anywhere you're sitting across from them but you're not saying anything and they're kind of like what's going on here i wanted to go to dinner with diane but i'm hungry diane's not talking to me i don't know what's happening so have i been stood up (laughs) yeah exactly exactly is this restaurant even open like what's going on so when you have what I call a be our guest welcome sequence, you're really starting that relationship off on the right foot. Because I think people think like, oh, if I email them when they sign up for my list, like I'm bothering them. But it's like, no, they want to hear from you. And you're building that relationship. It's like in Beauty and the Beast, Lumiere, Cogsworth, and Mrs. Potts, they really made her feel at home. But if you remember, only moments before the Beast came to her door, like came bang on her door, um, telling her to come to dinner, like, you'll join me for dinner. That's not a request kind of thing. And she was like, absolutely not. I'm just going to starve. That's fine. But instead, you know, when they made her feel at home, she enjoyed all of the, you know, the food, the whole buffet of food that they gave to her. And that's what you want to do with your Be Our Guest Welcome sequence. And um, how many emails? That's, you know, if you're just starting out, start with as much as you can. There's no... Like I'm always adding to mine. I started off with five and then now it's somewhere in the 15s and 20s. I'm pretty sure it could be even more because I haven't updated it in the past month or so. But really what you want to be doing is a couple things. One, you want to be very clear on what your values are. And I love doing this because what I've noticed is the more clear you are on what your values, what you stand for, what you believe in, the more you're going to attract the people that you are so thrilled to work with because they're going to be so aligned with you. The second thing is the origin story. And the origin story is really what gets people to really relate to you. And it it really shows why you're doing what you're doing. 
I kind of went into mine earlier in this episode where I talked about, you know, that mastermind about that guy who said, you know, do upsell or you'll never see the money again. Whenever I tell that story, people are like, oh, yeah, I know. Like either even if they haven't learned from that, they're very much like I, I know that they are so against that way of thinking, that way of doing things. And that just really, it really resonates because, you know, I'm really against that. And it's less hard to find these days, but it's still really refreshing to people who want to learn what I am teaching the way that I am teaching it. So just to recap so far, we've got like your values. I call it like values declaration emails. You have your origin story. And then of course I have what's called the proof pudding. So if the proof is in the pudding, you want to serve up that proof pudding. And I love telling, like weaving in a lot of as many client stories as possible. So one of my clients, she's a stylist. And when we worked on her welcome sequence together, she incorporated so many of these client stories because she just had so many transformations. And we really dove deep into it. So with something like a stylist, it's really easy to go, this is what she looked like before. And this is what she looked like after. I really dove into the mindset transformation that someone went through when they, they transformed their style. It really dove into the heart of it and the emotions of it. And when I say emotions of it, I'm not talking about like what people are calling twisting the knife and sticking your knives in people. It's really just, you know, showing how she was feeling before and then how she was feeling after about it. So the more you have of those, the better. Don't hold back on them. People love hearing transformation stories because it really gives them hope and you're really showing them what is possible out there. And they really need that they really need that nudge or that that little sliver of hope wherever they're at in their journey. Are you sending like 15 emails each day in a row? Or is this, here's a few emails and then you stay in my welcome sequence for a certain number of weeks and then you move into a more generic newsletter? So um, what I do, well, what I will say about the cadence is uh, what I tell my clients is start with how often you already email. So if you're generally emailing once a week, then make it once a week. You know, you don't want to want it to be like three times a week. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it's kind of changed. So start where you're already at and, and keep that the way it is. The way I do it is I have like maybe four no six weeks of welcome sequence emails and at the end of it they do go into a general newsletter but they, they might be receiving some in between because you know maybe i'm having a sales event but what i'm going to do and i think that i want to be testing out is at the end of say the welcome sequence i'm going to ask them like do you want to hear do you want to be added to my general newsletter just to have that form of consent and i haven't tried it yet but my, when my mentor does it and i really love that idea just of getting that kind of consent to be adding to that and especially because i'm running ads right now and the people who who join my email list through my ads they get a very different welcome sequence and therefore i i want to be like making sure that the people who specifically want to be on there do want to be on there because that's just going to be good for my engagement numbers. And I guess that manages that kind of slight tone change in that like your nurture sequence is, is built to build on each thing and really strategically thought out. And then if they suddenly jump into a newsletter sequence where you're suddenly like almost a little off topic from what they were expecting, <laughs> that's a nice bridge for that to not feel so surprising. Yeah, exactly. Think of it. It's like a dinner experience. It's a Michelin star experience. You know, there, everything has its purpose. Everything transitions the way it does. And exactly, it's exactly that. And so if them joining our email list is them coming to dinner with us and the, that nurture sequence is that first dinner where, you know, we're showing up at our absolute best, is your newsletter sequence 
then a bit more like dinner with an old friend, slightly more casual. Yeah, exactly. They've gotten to know you already. You're already familiar with each other. And, you know, you you may have had that conversation. Oh, the other thing I'll say about the welcome sequence that I love to do is I love to have a conversation starter. So when someone downloads one of my trainings, it's like, hey, I'll say, hey, Diane, I saw you downloaded my my how to make more sales with email training. Are you already emailing your list? And I have a series of questions like if they respond and they could just reply to it and it looks just like a really, you know, a, a, a plain text email. And people will respond. They're saying, yeah, I'm, I'm emailing or like, no, or I want to, et cetera, et cetera. And they'll ask them, you know, things like, are you building out your list? What are you selling on your email list? You know, et cetera, et cetera. And I just start that conversation with them. So what I love about that is that it just brings that human element to it. And the people who are willing to engage with you will. And it's like really refreshing them for them because they're like, oh, Allison's like emailing me and she's responding to me like this is pretty cool even though they know that part of it's already automated. So when they've gone through your welcome sequence they have a good idea of who you are and maybe you've conversed already and then you know when you're when it's a newsletter it's you're just you know having a spontaneous dinner you're like hey like let's go for dinner right now instead of one that's been sort of scheduled already in the books. I, I really like this analogy it's working really well for me. And that in, in helping me take it out of that kind of like formal communication vibe. Here's my question. Yes. How do we pivot from like casual cocktails and dinner with your friend to, okay, time to buy my thing without being that person who's like, hey girl, have you heard about these leggings? <laughs> How do you pivot from this beautiful relationship that you've built so carefully from putting your best foot forward to now hanging out casually to not being that person? So all throughout the welcome sequence, you already have those CTAs. They're, they're a little softer. They're what I call the dessert menu. So when you're at dinner and you've already finished your entrees and the server's cleared your plates, the server comes down and they, they place the dessert menu on the table. So if you're hungry for dessert, you're like, yes, I would like the creme brulee. If you're not hungry for dessert, you're like, no, thank you. I would just like to check, please. And maybe you weren't even thinking about dessert and you peruse and you're like, yeah, I'll have the creme brulee. That sounds great. And you, the per you, the the diner, don't have to ask for the dessert menu because that person has already given it for you. And that's exactly what having a CT at the end of your emails is. You're just providing the dessert menu. People can decline, they can accept, they can ignore, they can peruse, but it's just there if they need it. And one way I like to do this is like at the end of my emails, especially in the beginning, I'm like, hey, by the way, when you're ready, here are a couple ways I could help download my training, apply to work with me. And I, there's like a mixture of high commitment and low commitment and uh, like a free offerings just so that, you know, wherever they're at, there's something for them. And when there's a free training or a PDF, or if there's like some kind of quiz or something, you know, there's a CTA at the end of that. So all paths really lead to a CTA, just some are more indirect than others. And they could choose whatever, wherever they're at, or they could just ignore the whole thing altogether. So it's not like, you know, when I do have a CTA, it comes out of nowhere like a month after because there's already CTAs all throughout. And then sometimes throughout the welcome sequence, there's it's a very direct and it's in the, the email itself. You know, like I'll tell a whole story and said like if, you know, you know, transition, blah, 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 here's the CTA kind of thing. It's not necessarily in the PTS or the BTW, as I call it. So that all that to say is like you're already doing that before. And then. When it is time to to sell more directly, I call that the invite email. And it's basically a sales email. But instead of like trying to convince someone to do something, you're just inviting them. 
And when you think about it more as an invitation, it, the tone is so much different. You show up differently and people like invitations, even if they like if even if they can't make it, they still like invitations. They like declining invitations. People love that. So when you're inviting people to work with you, you're not saying like, hey, girl, do you want to buy these leggings? You're like, hey, I'm having this thing. I would love for you to be there. I would love to work with you, blah, blah, blah. Here are the details, et cetera, et cetera. And that's all it is. So I'm just talking about the welcome sequence right now. So you're still like you're doing that inviting. You're you're placing the dessert menu at the end of the meal, et cetera. And then when it comes time to say like a sales event that you're hosting, like let's say it's a webinar, you're still doing inviting. You're still saying, hey, I'm hosting this free training. It's about this. I'd love to have you there, et cetera, et cetera. So there's that CTA there. And then in the follow-up, that's when you're doing more of the, you know, the selling, the, the selling from a place of service, of course. And that's less out of nowhere because it's like, you know, they registered for the webinar. They might have attended it, et cetera, et cetera. So you can see it's like it's not just like a hard pivot. It's like we've taken them through this journey and, you know, they're not really surprised when we get there. So it's kind of like the dessert menu just becomes like a natural part. So they're used to seeing the menu and then the more solid invitation is almost like, well, hey, I'm having this thing at my house. Do you want to come over? This is yes. you'll be there and this is what we're going to talk about. So it's kind of that just, it's almost like increased intimacy as you go along in the experience. Yes, yes exactly. Exactly. What I will say is that email is so powerful for your sales event. I, I recently hosted a challenge back in September. It was called the Great Email Bake Off. It was really fun. And I promoted it on both social media and email. And this is not to knock social media. I love it. I still show up on it. Social media and email work really well together. So make sure you're doing both. This is not to say ditch social media. So what I did was I sent out five emails inviting people to join my challenge. And then I posted on, I made five IG posts promoting the challenge and maybe like 15 plus IG stories promoting the challenge. And I got 101 signups for the challenge. 81 of those signups came from those five emails. The other 20 came from the five IG posts and the 15 plus IG stories. And that just tells me like, so when you're hosting a challenge, when you're hosting a webinar, emails is so, is so powerful. So when you were saying, Diane, you're like, you know, how do I, you know, I'm pouring all my energy into this. How do I make sure I get out of it? Email was so much less energy. <laughs> It was a lot less energy, you know, <laughs> it was. And honestly, Diane, like the copy for the emails and the, the social media posts were like 80, 90 percent the same. Like I didn't have to rewrite them. They were almost exactly the same thing. So all that to say is like email is so powerful. Did I, you know, was it worth showing up on social media? Yeah, of course it was. I still wanted those 20 signups. But when you think about when you think about IG and the way it works is like if for them to take action on something, they have to go to my profile. They have to go into the link in bio. They have to find the link. They have to click the link and then they have to sign up. This uh, I will also say this is before I got the link sticker on my IG story. So, you know, there will be a round two of this and I'd love to see, you know, how that plays out. Stay tuned, TBD. But, you know, there's just so much more steps. It's, you know, you're, it's all the way at the back of the store. Whereas, you know, an email, like at the front of the store, that's where the samples are. And like, you just grab that sample, you know, email, like email will help you with your sales events. And like, when people think of selling an email, they probably think like, oh, just send a ton of sales email and people will like, I, like, I'm going to send an email and then people are going to buy, I'm going to make it rain, quote unquote. 
But actually what it is, it's like it's supporting your sales event. It's driving people to your sales event. And then it's like following up on those sales events. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's also speaks to the strategy behind your conversion system in that you are inviting people who have already had this experience with you to something else. And they're like, well, I had so much fun with you and everything else. Yes, I want to go to the next party or whatever with you. Whereas social, you have no idea really who's looking at your social media posts, right? They could be complete strangers on the streets. So yeah, it makes sense to me. Like I know logically that email makes sense to me. It's just not the easiest space for me. And I think we're only going to see people get more up in their heads about email when all the latest updates come through and now you can't actually see if someone's opened an email. So you're only going to be able to see clicks and suddenly now your emails look like they're dropping off and now, you know, whereas I think your journey is giving them a lot of options to click and to respond and to engage versus yeah. just being that kind of one-sided. And that's okay. Let's say open rates completely disappear. I mean, open rates only tell us, really the only thing that open rates tell me is if my subject line did its job. That's it. You know, it's not like telling me if the email was totally effective. Like I'd rather know what the click-through rates are and that tells me more. And then of course, you know, your conversion rates too. You're 100% speaking my language over here. If somebody's like me and they're like, okay, well, we're going to give this a go. And they've got an email that's scheduled to go out like in a few hours. Hashtag asking for a friend. What would be the thing that you would say, like the email's written, it's scheduled. What's the easiest thing for them to put in or take out or check for to just start that process of actually sending a better email? Read it out loud. Read it out loud. And if it sounds like you're, if you're tripping up on it and you're like, I forget what words you keep saying here to or here for to. <laughs> <Where whatever. with laughs> yeah, I've never heard this before, so I can't remember them on top of my head. But if you read it out loud and it does not sound like you and you sound like you're scripted and you find yourself even dozing off while you're reading it, then I would, you know, consider taking out those parts. And, you know, that's like that's a good stress test. Like if you read it out loud and it just, you know, it sounds very formal still, take that out. If it's if you read it out loud and it sounds really clunky or it's not as smooth as transition or there's a part that, you know, you feel like you're, you know, kind of going on a tangent that doesn't make sense and take that out too. But otherwise, you know, it's sort of like building a muscle and, you know, when you keep on sending them out, like it's just going to feel better and it's going to feel less like this big thing, you know? I mean, I think that's the easiest thing to do. The other thing I'll say is like, especially when you're telling stories and the same thing is true for social media. So I'm, you know, I'm not teaching something brand new. It's just, you know, we're kind of putting in the frame of writing an email. What I've noticed a lot of my clients doing in emails, especially when they're telling stories, is they kind of bury the lead. And it's very like a journalism thing. Like I usually will cut out like the first two paragraphs and it's like, okay, start here. And I like starting my emails with what I call <laughs> the Cinnabon hook. And I don't know if you have this where you are, but Cinnabon is like this, it's a cinnamon. Yeah, so when you walk into a mall, you know, and you smell the cinnamon sugar, you're like, oh my gosh, I need a cinnamon roll right now. And that's what we want the very first line or the subject line of our email to be is like that hook, that cinnamon hook that really magnetizes people and really wants that cinnamon roll to keep on reading. So um, a really good example of one is my client, Ashley. She's an Airtable systems person. Her um, Instagram is do the damn thing. And for her origin story, her Cinnabon hook was just so good and it makes you want to open up that email. And it was, I was maxed out and making $500 a month. 
So immediately you want to know, like, why was she only making $500 a month, which in the States is not enough, unfortunately. And why was she maxed out? Like the implication of being maxed out is that you're making, you know, a good amount of money. So you, you immediately want to hear, you know, what the context is around that and then how she overcame it. Because obviously if she was telling the story, she had overcome it. So, and you know, you see it in Instagram all the time. It's just that crunchy first line, cinnamon hook, and you know, it cuts off and then you have to, you know, click the, you read more kind of thing. So it's the same exact thing with email. I feel like we could talk about this for like another three hours and you would still have more to tell me. Is there a resource or something that people can go and, you know, use as a checklist or learn more about it? Because I cannot be the only person who thinks their emails suck. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a training. It's called How to Make More Sales in Email with More Ease and No Sleaze. And I really dive into the different parts of the email conversion system. I dive into examples of emails and it really just shows you like what that looks like and then how you could build one out yourself. Awesome. I will be sure to link that up so that people, aka me, can attend. (laughs) Right. So to finish up, I always like to ask my guests the same couple of questions. First up, what is your number one lifestyle boundary for your business? Ooh. So depending what time of year it is, especially right now, when the sun is setting, I stop working. But also... I love taking naps. I have to take a nap almost every day. Sometimes I take two naps. Uh, So I really have to work around my schedule around that. If I'm writing and I'm like dozing off, I'm like, "Eh, whatever it is, it can wait. I need to take a nap. And then it's only like a 20 minute nap and I could pretty much nap everywhere. I used to nap in my co-working space on this couch where everyone was passing by. (laughs) It's a magical power that I have, but naps, definitely naps. (laughs) I like that one. I can nap on any form of transportation. Anything else, not so much, but any form of transportation. I'm the worst person to do a long haul flight with because I'll fall asleep as we take off and someone will wake me as we land. Worst. Oh, that's a gift. That's such Such a a gift. gift. (laughs) Okay. Finally, what's the worst piece of cookie cutter advice you've been given as an entrepreneur? Oh my God. This could be a whole episode. (laughs) I could just list them off. One, you have to email every day. You don't have to email every day. Also, those people have teams doing it for them. So, you know, and you probably don't. You have to twist a knife in your copy. Also, people are just implying that there's such thing as perfect copy. There's really no such thing as perfect copy. And that's what gets, you know, people the blank page syndrome, like you were saying. This isn't necessarily advice as much as it is just, I don't like it. Is I don't love email templates because while email templates like help people get words on paper, it makes people sound like all the same. And, you know, it's just, it's not going to help them in the long run when they're writing their emails because they're not going to be writing the same template over and over. That's just not going to happen. Instead, I like to, I, I have what I call email recipes. And email recipes really, you, you just, they, they walk you through the different pieces of, or the different ingredients and help you put it all together so you don't have that blank page syndrome. But I, I swear I could go on and on about bad advice. But I think the biggest one when it comes to email is that you have to be emailing every day or else people are going to forget about you and you won't make any sales. And that's absolutely wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think email is definitely one of the places where like that broy cookie cutter, do it this way kind of vibe is rife. And it's probably why so many of us have hangups about email because we don't want to go that broy route, but that's kind of what we've only really been shown. So I think today has hopefully really expanded everyone's view like it certainly has mine around what could email look like to put like a little email 2022 project to go and rework my nurture sequence with the view of okay someone's at dinner with me 
what are my best stories? Here we go. But this has been fab. And I know people are going to want to ask you questions. They're going to want to connect. They're going to want to tell you their terrible bro advice, I'm sure. What's the best place for them to find you on social and slide into the messages? Yeah, uh, slide on in my DMs. I'm at Instagram at Alistair Carpio, which we can link up in the show notes because it's easy to spell wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And like no Hegel by my leggings, whatever you do. Yeah, <laughs> no essential oils, I promise. <laughs> thank you so much. This has been amazing. I'm sure people will reach out to you and continue the conversation. But thank you for sharing and changing my ideas about email. Thank you so much. It was so fun chatting about this and I hope to see y'all online. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to follow the podcast and leave us a review.